This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at reactroundup.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to React Roundup. Now, uh, I, before we get going too far and before I introduce our panel, I just want to let you know two things that are kind of firsts on this show. Uh, first of all, this is the first time I'm recording an episode on Zoom, so if the audio quality isn't great, I won't use it again, um, and I apologize. Um, but if it does work out, we may use it again in the future. Second, um, this is the first episode we're recording, but it may not be the first episode that we are um, putting on the feed because I'm still trying to get a hold of uh, Jordan, who created React, to see if we can get the story on React. So if we talk about something and then it comes up in a future episode, um, you know, we're talking about this episode, that's why. So anyway, or a past episode, I guess. Um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our panel. First off, we have Tara Maniksik. Tara, do you want to say hello? Hi, nice to see everybody. Uh, Nader Dabit. Hello. And we also have Kent C. Dodds. Hey, hey, how's everyone doing? Is that going to be my thing? Can, can that be my thing? Hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Coming at you live. You can have it. I yeah, mean, I don't want to. Coming at you live. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I'm actually uh, chatting with Corey House right now. Um, I didn't get him on the calendar invite, so that's my bad. Hopefully, he'll uh, show up. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, so yeah. So this week, we're going to be talking about uh, how how to get into React. And and I'm curious, uh, before we do that, just do you all want to just chime in and talk about your background with React? How long you've been doing it? What kinds of things you com- contributed to the community? Uh, that that kind of stuff. Maybe where you work. Uh, any of that. Uh, we'll we'll go in reverse order of how I introduced you. So Kent, why don't you go ahead and go first? Yeah, sure. So I don't know how long you want us to take because I could start when I got into programming. But no, just kidding. Um, nope, that's <laughs> another show. So I, I actually remember the first time I ever heard of React was when I was uh, in my car driving to ng-conf year one um, in Salt Lake City. Uh, I was like way deep into Angular and I was listening to JavaScript Jabber. And it was like, hey, there's this React thing. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I'm going to AngularConf. So yeah, I was pretty excited about that. Um, but it was really interesting. And, and soon thereafter, I, I tried some of this stuff on uh, on the React documentation website. And just like everybody else, I saw the JSX thing and I was like, oh, what is this? And didn't like that. Um, but on the on the docs website, it was like, you know, just spend five minutes with it, give it five minutes and, and uh, you'll understand why it's so great. And I did and it, it happened. It worked for me. I spent five minutes with it and I was like, oh, actually, no, this is really nice. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a love at first sight, I guess, a little bit. Um, maybe love after five minutes kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I got in, into React. Um, and I've uh, been loving it. Um, I, I actually, after that, spent the next like year and a half um, still doing Angular stuff until um, I, I finally switched jobs um, to PayPal, where I am now. And uh, we're doing React here. I've been doing that for the last two years. It's been awesome. Nice. Uh, Nader, what's your background? So I too kind of came from an Angular background and I was at that same uh, ng one and two. Um, 
So I was doing Angular. I was big into Cordova, though, as well. And I was kind of really in love with Ionic. And then um, when React Native came out, I kind of got into that. And that was like my path into React development. I didn't learn React Web first. I learned React Native first, which kind of then led me to turn my new web projects also to React. So I did uh, Angular for a couple of years. I've been doing React now since around, I think, March of 2015. And currently, I work with uh, Amazon Web Services on the mobile team as a developer advocate, and I run a company called React Native Training. We do on-site training, consulting, and we also maintain a few open source projects. All right. We also had Corey House show up. Um, now, that's my fault because, like I said, I messed up the invitation stuff. So last minute, he's like, are we recording now? And I'm like, yeah. And so he's here. Yay. Thanks, Corey. Uh, do you want to say hello real quick? Very good. Uh, so I've been using React since shortly after it was uh, open sourced and uh, enjoying it thoroughly. My history, I've, I've worked in Angular before that, Knockout before that, done a lot of work in .NET. But basically, since React came out, I liked what I saw and decided to focus there. So uh, I run a consultancy called React.js Consulting. Um, on the side, I work uh, full-time leading a team of React developers, uh, which I enjoy. Uh, work full-time at uh, Cox Automotive. And then I speak at conferences a lot and uh, author courses on Pluralsight. Uh, some of those are on React, some on JavaScript, some on .NET, all over the map. Uh, so that's what keeps me busy. Awesome. Tara, do you want to give your background with React? Sure. So I actually started out um, as a Node developer and was mostly on the back end. But then we decided to, um, we had a bunch of customer facing things. We were a platform as a service. And all of that was actually built in Backbone. So we made the switch to go over to React when we were first making um, the user uh, interface for our uh, API that we were open sourcing. And so that was kind of our deep dive, get things up and running quickly, uh, starting with React. And after that, I actually joined uh, the Kendo UI team and went back over or went to Angular from React. And just recently, since uh, my team at Progress, Kendo UI, made new components for React and Vue, I've been now mostly focused on React and just building all kinds of projects from the ground up, which has been really interesting. So I'm full in now. <laughs> Nice. And just in the, in the spirit of full disclosure, uh, re, um, Kendo UI Progress is a sponsor of this episode. So, um, But we're happy to have you here. So yeah. Thanks, That's good. Kendo UI. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just talked over Tara. I was just saying thanks, Kendo UI, for sponsoring. <laughs> That's nice of them. And we're glad to have you here, Tara, in the React community. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to come at this a little bit differently, and I fully intend to kind of guide the conversation a little bit because my background with React is um, I've had a couple people show me how React, the library, works a few times. Um, I've current I've been watching some of the videos on Pluralsight. I haven't built anything with React yet. Um, you know, most of my background is in Ruby, Ruby on Rails, and um, you know jQuery and that kind of thing. Um, I've built some stuff with Angular and with AngularJS, but um, I don't really have a strong background there either. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of podcasting and a lot less programming. So um, I, I fully intend pretty much every day I have a half hour that I do some kind of training and I've been dedicating that to React at this point. So I have been picking things up, 
but I'm curious what uh, kinds of things are out there. So I thought this would make a good first episode and I can ask all of my really, really stupid questions. So yeah, so recommendations. Do you, do you guys have uh, specific resources that you really like for somebody to go and learn React? Um, I don't, if it's okay, I'd like to go first on this one. Um, so I think that uh, um, something that's really important when learning React is to learn things in the right order. So like, I have some resources that I can mention, but I, I think one of the most important things I want to call out first in this podcast is that uh, React is in itself actually a, a pretty simple library. And what makes it, things more complicated is the, like, the ecosystem um, around React. Um, but you need that, like, to build complex applications, like, you have to use these things. And, and so, like, it, it's hard to get around the complexity. You, you can't avoid that um, when you want to build something that's, like, a legit application. But um, if you want, if you really want to learn React, you should learn things in the right order. Um, and I'm, I'm actually giving a talk at Reactathon next month about this. Um, but if you look up, uh, Pete Hunt um, has a GitHub repo called React How To. Um, and it, kind of describes the the best way to go about learning React in the right order so you don't get overwhelmed, you don't... And, and so you know uh, which pieces of the ecosystem uh, fall into what place. Um, and it just, like, with that kind of foundation, it makes it so much easier to uh, progress in your knowledge of, of React and its ecosystem. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely suggest people start with something really fundamental, just like, just React. Don't try to do like this Webpack babble nonsense stuff, like just do pure React stuff uh, right at the start. Um, and it literally like will take you just a day to, to get through like the major pieces, the core pieces of React. Um, and so since we were also mentioning resources, I have a course on Egghead that's totally free. It's like 75 minutes long. Uh, of videos that take you through React in this way, so uh, people can check that out um, if they if they want to. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made it. But <laughs> just yeah. to like tail on to something that Kent was saying, um, as far as fundamentals, as I was diving into React again, I realized that what helped me a ton is the work that I've been doing with ES6 and just JavaScript in general. Uh, because it was just really he like helpful. That's one of the best things about React is you're writing JavaScript. So I uh, really got a lot out of the products I was doing because I um, was keeping up one with functional programming, with functional JavaScript, and also with ES6. So just throwing that out there as a resource. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's a really good book called You Don't Know JS ES6 and Beyond by Kyle Simpson. I've read it like maybe three times and it's just Amazing. I mean, it goes into every single little thing you could possibly think of. And um, like I agree with the whole ES6 thing. There's just so much documentation and examples and, and projects. They're all written in ES6. So you, if you understand ES6, it'll help you kind of get a long way there. But um, in addition to that, there's a website called Code Sandbox. I think CodeSandbox.io, where you can kind of just play around with React in the browser. I'm, I'm, I believe there's a few others, other websites similar to this Code Sandbox, but there you don't have to worry about Webpack or anything like that. You can install dependencies directly in the browser and actually run React. It's really a nice way to kind of just play around and, and get up and running quickly. Yeah, I totally agree with uh, what everyone else said. Uh, I've only recently started showing people Code Sandbox as a first introduction to React because it helps abstract away all the complexity of getting started. Uh, before that, I was using uh, Create React App as a, a starting point, which is also useful. But what I like is just literally taking somebody to a website 
clicking, hey, open React, and we start coding immediately. I think that's useful to get people uh, hooked on the experience first. Uh, but but I will say before I even step into React at all, I agree with what uh, others have said that uh, I, I want to pull how strong the team is on JavaScript itself. And I find often there are people that are comfortable with ES5, but they've had limited experience uh, with uh, ES6, 7, 8, those sorts of things. So uh, I will start at the beginning. And if um, I encourage people, yeah, first get comfortable with JavaScript, because when you're comfortable with uh, JavaScript and also some of the uh, just like built-in array functions, things like map, filter, reduce. Often JavaScript developers uh, aren't aware of some of this goodness that's there and built in. And once you know those sorts of things, what you realize is learning React is uh, quite straightforward because the API itself is so small. Uh, I mean, I look at minor things that you end up learning like, yes, you have to know to call set state. You have to know to put a key when you're mapping over values. But the, the number of interesting React-specific concepts is uh, nice and small. And so I find if people spend most of their time getting good at JavaScript, they enjoy React even more because they go, oh, wow, this this was easy and refreshing. Uh, I, I so agree with you, Corey. That one of the things that I love about React is that I spend most of my time learning JavaScript. Um, so yeah, that's like, that that was a huge draw for me. Uh, and the, the JSX thing, I, I think I was talking with uh, Ryan Florence the other day and he mentioned that um, like the, the mistake that people make when they're just learning React is they think that JSX is more similar to HTML because it kind of it looks like HTML. But really, JSX is actually a lot more similar to uh, JavaScript. And, and it's just a way to construct um, some, uh, like, uh, your ultimately it winds up being DOM. Um, but it, if you think about it more as just JavaScript, then uh, things are kind of cleared away a lot. A lot more, and so if you've never used like re- React.createElement, just like the raw API that JSX is abstracting for us, um, then I strongly recommend that you do that. Just like console log React.createElement um, div and see what that is returning. And that what that is, it's a React element, uh, and and that'll just begin your journey into figuring out a little bit more about what this JSX thing is and um, and what React is all about. And uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention. Um, since we are trying to give people resources, um, a while back I, I gave a workshop at PayPal that I recorded, um, and it was the ES6 and Beyond workshop. It's like I think it's eight hours that are totally available for free on YouTube, um, and like there's a, a table of contents too. So if you want to like spruce up your ES6 and seven and eight um, skills, then um, uh, you could check out that as a free resource on my YouTube channel. I'm sure we can link to that in the notes too. I also just want to say, because I think it sounds really daunting for people because how large of a release ES6 was, um, but with ES 2017, 2018, you know, they switched to these smaller releases. So it's only like a few major and minor things being released that you need to learn as you go. So although learning these enhancements of, of ECMAScript uh, sounds daunting, it's actually getting easier and easier just to put that out there for anybody who's starting up and they're like, I have to learn what else too. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's part of the kind of the thing that I'm running into at this point is one, you know, I, I I've talked to a number of people about react and I think they're all writing it in ES six and, you know, I've done ES five and I've done TypeScript and, you know, and so ES six is somewhere in, in between. 
And so it's like, okay, so what can I use and can't I use from what I'm used to? And then the other thing is, um, I mentioned that I've come up through Rails and I've done some Angular, and both of those are much more sort of batteries included frameworks, right? Where it's there's a way to do things. And it seems like in React, everybody kind of has their own way. There are probably some standard sets of packages, but everybody kind of has their own way of doing React. And so that that's also been a little bit daunting. And so I'm wondering, okay, you know, maybe Kent has the right of it. And it's, okay, well, you need to learn certain parts of it at certain times in certain order. But how do I figure that out if I don't know anything about React other than that it's an alternative to whatever I've been using on the web so far? Well, I guess that's what my talk is going to be about at Reactathon is uh, how do you know what order? Um, But like I mentioned, Pete Hunt's um, React How-To is a really um, super resource for for the proper steps. But one thing that it doesn't talk about, uh, like it it actually does talk about um, like Flux and Redux and that that kind of uh, stuff. I don't think that it gets into other things like what um, libraries do you use to make HTTP requests and and, um, how do you do routing and stuff like that. And um, so like the fact that React doesn't come baked in with all of the answers to all of these problems is a feature in my mind. Um, I I think that uh, especially with the wide variety of use cases that we have on the web, it it almost seems um, presumptuous for a framework to come out and solve all of those problems um, because maybe they need to like, well, they certainly will have to handle a lot more use cases than I might need to in my app, which ultimately will result in like uh, worse performance uh, from a, like the loading and parsing time standpoint. Um, but also like maybe I don't like the the solution and um, like maybe that doesn't work very well with the, the way that I program my apps. And so the fact that React um, and its ecosystem doesn't have like the de facto, this is the way that everybody does it. Like this is blessed by the framework. I, I really like that, and I think that's a feature of the framework. Um, and then the community can kind of work together and, and come up with sort of uh, semi-de facto standards for for doing lots of things. Like React Router has kind of been the you know the standard for routing, um, but it's not the only way to do it. Um, and and there are other options out there that might suit different use cases. Uh, so that's one of the things I actually like about the React community. Yeah, I can definitely see the trade-offs. I mean, on one hand, it's easy to just do things if there's kind of the the cherry picked path and I don't have to go jump through a whole bunch of hoops to to figure out what to pull in. But the flip side is is yeah, you get a ton of flexibility and you only get what you need with kind of the small focus packages. And I think that's a debate that uh long preceded React. And so, you know, I, I think that's a fair evaluation. Yeah, to to the other point that I was making, I mean, do I have to learn ES six? Can I do it in type that was something ES five? Well, that was something that I thought was interesting. So uh, I published my first course on uh, React back when it was quite new, back when ES5 was what uh, most people were uh, using and using the create class syntax, which now today you actually have to pull in manually. It's no longer part of React core. So I think there's a there's an interesting option for somebody that doesn't know uh, ES, the newer syntax, is they could potentially learn uh, the ES5 style, get comfortable with that, and then shift over. Um, I don't know that I'd actually recommend it, but I will say as an anecdote, my course on ES5 continues to be almost as sex successful as the same course using uh, ES6. So there are a lot of people that are, I think, choosing to learn uh, in the ES5 first just because they don't have to learn all the, the JavaScript newness as well. 
Um, I mean, what's the rest of the panel think? Do you do you think it makes any sense to try React uh, create class anymore as a starting point? I see lots of. I head would shaking. probably say head no, shaking. just because there's so many um, there's so many libraries and things like that that you're you're going to have a hard time integrating with your application if you're using the create create class, or or maybe you're you're just learning you're, and you're looking at examples and you may not kind of understand what's going on with the class um, definitions. If you haven't just started off that way, I believe there's, I think, you know, a lot of, the, there's a lot of different you know, issues uh, just kind of coming into React and, and learning ES6 and, and learning how classes work. One of the main ones, though, seems to be the binding of the, the this uh, value. And I believe with uh, the newer versions of Create React App and React Native Init, that is kind of abstracted away with um, property initializers. And I forgot the name of the other um, Babel plugin that's kind of like, it basically lets you um, create the Lambda functions and um, the, this value is always bound to the correct uh, class area. But um, I don't know. Well, I'm curious to see what uh, Tara and Kit think about this as well. I would say that there are, um, there are great advantages of kind of learning up, right? So starting from a point, but then does that mean that you start at vanilla JavaScript? And then go from vanilla JavaScript up, uh, like through the path of what um, the different ES versions have gone through. So, and I think that when you are jumping in, there are a lot of things to learn. Um, and just, you know, in JavaScript in general, let alone what you're doing in React and how things are getting uh, passed through and what's happening with state. But I think that uh, the sooner you learn it, the more you'll understand. So I feel like you can have the time to dig into it. Uh, but it is tough. But I would say that it is a great thing to learn it separately. So not uh, delve into learning all of the new uh, ECMAScript as you're going through learning React, but maybe doing a separate course on that and then going into React. Yeah, I I, that that sounds like pretty good advice to me. Um, I think maybe different people uh, things will work differently for them. Um, but one one thing that I've seen that's pretty successful for anybody is being able to ship something quickly, even at, like your toy app that you're building to learn this thing. Like you want to, um, and so I, I've seen a lot of people advocating for you know don't reach for these frameworks. Start with the fundamentals, like create the DOM yourself with regular raw JavaScript APIs. And I think that's great. And if you want to learn it that way, that's awesome because it's going to give you a really awesome foundation. Um, you'll learn JavaScript really well. You'll learn the DOM APIs. You'll understand what, what React is doing under the covers a little bit. Um, but that's not a very good way to ship something quickly. And that's one of the things we love about the web is, is um, the quick iteration that we have, the feedback. And, and so if, if you're wanting to um, get that... Um, in your process of learning React and, and keep yourself motivated, then I, I would say kind of what Tara was saying, like learn them, you should learn them both, but learn them separately. And, and um, I wouldn't say that like mo most of the people who are jumping into React or jumping into JavaScript the first time don't know what the difference is between ES6 and ES5 and any of these versions. It's just JavaScript. Um, and so maybe it matters less whether or not we talk about learning the latest like modern JavaScript and maybe it's more important of like what features of JavaScript that you're, you're learning um, in the process of using and learning React. Uh, and, and there are a lot of uh, good resources, but basically like look at the examples that you see online. If there's something in there that, that you're confused about um, that 
like you're like, what is this syntax doing? Then there's actually this amazing site called astexplorer.net, which might be like, it's pretty heavy stuff, but you just copy paste your example code into that. And on the right side, it'll tell you what these different things are called. You just like click on the thing that um, that is confusing to you and look on the right. It'll tell you what these things are called. And then you can go Google those things and learn about those things because uh, it's kind of hard to Google syntax. So um, anyway, those, those are just a couple ideas. Uh, definitely like uh, don't let the process of learning preclude, preclude you from actually shipping something because that's what we love about the web is, is shipping stuff and, and getting that, that constant positive feedback on what we're working on. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's interesting too, you know, you mentioned to some people it's just going to be JavaScript if they're just getting into it for the first time. Um, I tend to like to make stuff when I'm learning this, you know, so I'll, I'll do the toy apps for about a half hour. And then it's like, okay, now I'm going to go build Facebook with it. Right. And, and so I'll, 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 I'll go bang my head against the wall. And that's kind of how I like to learn it. But I know other people are different. And so, you know, um, knowing that, I may struggle a little bit if I'm trying to pick up ES6 and React at the same time, given my background, you know, that that's helpful to know. And, and okay, I'm struggling with this. Maybe I do need to go and just focus on ES6 for a little bit and then come back to this or something like that. Um, uh, Corey, did you have, I saw you on mute. I'll let you say something and then uh, I'm going to push us to the next part of the conversation. Yeah, I'll just say I would be interested to know how the panel learned ES6. I know the way that I did uh, was I just pulled up Babel and looked through all the stuff that was in there and then pulled up the REPL and started playing with each one because they have nice little examples to start out. And then I could say, okay, an arrow function. Let's see how this works. Oh, this works differently with the arrow function. Let's check that out and see what the behavior is. I've got to destructure some data and try this. So if you're somebody that, that learns by example, I'd say Babel's docs are really great. And the REPL is uh, quite approachable. And you can see how when I type this code, here's what I get on the other side. Here's what the uh, ES5 equivalent um, uh, looks like. So that, that can be a useful way as well if you're somebody that uh, likes to tinker to get your feet wet at this stuff. Yeah, I like that. How did you all learn ES6? Well, when the spec came out, there is a blog. I can't remember the name of it. I'll, I'll find it and put it in the notes where um, someone basically blogged like every single new feature that was put out. Like he, he submitted like a post about it um, and kind of went over it. And it was really helpful. And then when um, Kyle Simpson wrote ES6 and Beyond, that actually has been my go-to since then. I, like I mentioned, I've read it quite a few times. It's probably the best resource that I've, that I've found so far. And I believe there's a really good course on Egghead as well. But um, if you're if you're like looking to learn ES6 and React, like we mentioned, um, you know, it, it is probably better to learn, you know, ES6 separate from React. But sometimes it's just playing around with ES6 for a while and then maybe jumping into like a course for 30 minutes that uses ES6 with React and then jumping back to learning ES6 again. It'll kind of put some, um, you know, more foundational like like logic i guess in your head like why are we learning this instead of just learning it just for the heck of it you know but um yeah so that's kind of how i learned and i'll I'll try to find the link to that blog and put it in the notes here i actually um i don't know if you all know about node school but it's this uh kind of open source training area and it was started at a node conference and um it basically is a command line interface tool where it walks you through lessons in your terminal or 
your command prompt. Uh, and they have a, it's called, um, actually, I just had it up. It's called count to six. And they basically, you walk through and they give you all these problems in the terminal and you have to write the code to solve them. And uh, I like, I like, so I had the node school and I started the node school here in Cincinnati branch. Uh, so I, I learned that one and then taught a, diff, a meetup of it. But that really helped because that's another one, like Corey was saying, like pretty hands-on um, that lets you really work through everything. And then I know that they have some other ones on there that talk about some of the next features as well. So definitely another hands-on <laughs> learner. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, I started using ES6 before it was actually officially released. Um, this was back in like back when Babel was still six to five um, and it was uh, pretty new stuff. And so I, the way I, I learned it was um, there's this repo um, by Luke Hope. What, what is his name? Uh, Luke Hoban. Um, and it's called ES6 features. Uh, you can get to it by git.io slash ES6 features, all one word. And it just is like this giant readme of a whole bunch of features um, from ES6. And I read through those um, and then the, um, I started teaching about them. Um, and so I, I actually, Aaron Frost created a workshop um, on GitHub uh, called ES6 Workshop. And he gave it at Fluent. And it was it's an open source workshop. So I forked it and I, I made some changes and made some additions and started teaching it to people. Um, and that, that's like one of my biggest takeaways from my life in learning is uh, that teaching is the best way to solidify your understanding of something. And so um, I like as you're learning ES6 or learning like anything in JavaScript or anything in React, if you're not uh, teaching it as you go, then you are missing a, a very valuable opportunity, um, especially like the insights that you get as a new learner of this um, of this material. Um, we like the community needs those insights. And so, yeah, if you're not teaching as you're learning um, this stuff, then uh, you should start doing that. Um, like. You know, grab your coworkers, or you know, post something to YouTube or a blog post or something, um, because though that is really how you're going to solidify um, your understanding of these concepts. I would I would just like to add to that that I had started uh, starting last year. I had started to write about the major and minor editions uh, that they were doing, and if I had not written about atomics, I would still be utterly confused about <laughs> all these things. So, yeah, if you get a chance to be able to write something about it. You really have to dig into it and put it in your own words. And I think that really helps you understand these things. Yeah, I would also add that uh, a lot of times we get newer programmers that are afraid to do that. And you're in a place that a lot of times the more experienced folks just can't get to as far as being able to explain things to people. Because we have all of this context from the last however long we've been doing this. And you're going to explain it much more clearly to the people who are maybe a step behind you. And so don't be afraid to do this, even if you're brand new at this stuff. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I also was thinking about uh, how much this echoes the advice from Jeff Atwood, where he talks about the value. Uh, he calls it do it in public. And it's this reference to whatever you're doing, find a way to be public about it. So there's nothing wrong with when you're learning React, when you have that aha moment, tweeting that out or blogging a little bit about that or when you're confused about something, being public about it because what you'll find is people are happy to help you uh, get there. And I think people get excited along with you as they see uh, people diving into new things. And there's 
I tell you, there's, there's nothing wrong with having another blog post or another video out there where uh, people are explaining uh, what they know as they know it. Because uh, the other thing I, I think about is as far as uh, teaching people in, in different ways, you know, there's a lot of pizza shops in the same city and they all have their own little style, their own way of doing things and people have different preferences. So that's, that's totally okay. Like I found it interesting, you know, Kent talked about the way that he teaches uh, JSX up front and like Kent uh, likes to show what's going on behind the scenes and say, okay, you know what, JSX is really just an abstraction over plain old JavaScript function calls. Um, me, I went the exact opposite way and I told people, hey, just pretend it's HTML. Just put it in here and I'll tell you a couple things that are different. Class name, HTML4. For now, just pretend this works and trust the magic. So I, I think, uh, I don't know, I haven't decided which way I like better. I will say when I watched Kent do his, I thought, dang, I really liked that. That that resonated with me. So uh, I, I don't know. But on the same token, I haven't had problems with people understanding JSX. I just, I present things in a different order than you did. So uh, I, I really, that's what I admire. Like uh, uh, I, I go watch other people teach me the basics of React because every time I do, I go, oh, there's a new metaphor. There's a new example. There's, uh, so there's so many different ways uh, to learn these things. And it's fun that we're all out here with our own unique styles. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Yeah, awesome. and I guess one last place I would probably mention is uh, the Mozilla Developer Network. Um, their documentation, I think it's MDN, um, if you just Google that. Uh, they, they have like a very good explanation of pretty much anything as it's coming out or as it's being talked about being released as one of the future specs. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I want to kind of dive in because we did mention resources. And, you know, Kent's mentioned some of the courses that he's uh, been involved in with Egghead. And, uh, you know, I think Corey mentioned Pluralsight. So I, I guess what I'm wondering now is if, if I'm a new uh, learner, you know, what, what resources do you recommend? And I know everybody learns a little bit differently. So, you know, maybe some videos, some books, some workshops, you know, what do you recommend on those fronts? Well, I'm giving some in-person workshops. Uh, <laughs> so um, over the next couple couple months, I'll, I'll be in San Francisco and Portland and Salt Lake City uh, giving some workshops on ES6 um, or on uh, testing React or uh, React itself. Uh, so you can find those on workshop.me. It's this new fun thing that Ryan Florence is doing that I'm helping with. Uh, I, I'm not alone here um, doing that. So uh, yeah, there's also uh, Frontend Masters has some really good 
good um, stuff. I'm, I'm also doing some stuff for front end masters uh, around React um, in April. Um, and then as far as like uh, blog posts and books, I don't know how to read. So I'm going to have to leave that to somebody else. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really read a whole lot. <laughs> Um, I will say that uh, for one, I, I really, I really did find as a hands-on thing the Create React app library to be extremely helpful uh, to dive in. So if somebody wants to go in and just like fumble around and Google around for a while, I do really like Create React app for that. Um, I also started um, uh, trying to get more into the video series, and I think it was on. Um, I was trying to pull it up. It's Maximilian React 16 course. They keep it pretty up to date. Um, and I think, yeah, it's on Udemy. And also, as far as another resource that I used that I liked a lot is, and, and I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's released. I'm not totally sure, but to uh, Kyle Simpson again, as uh, Natter was talking about his ES6 stuff, he also has a Functional Light, I believe it's called, book. Um, and that one was really good to... One of the biggest things about functional programming, which you you can use a lot in um, React, is that it gets very you get inundated with these crazy words and all that takes you a while to really understand. And he kind of just jumps you in so that you can use it and not have to worry about the lingo as much to begin with. So those are three things that I found handy in my journey. <laughs> yeah. So uh, of course I mentioned earlier I have some Pluralsight courses out there on React. Uh, that you might be interested in if you happen to have a subscription there. Uh, and if you don't, devchat.tv slash Pluralsight, get, we, we get a cut of that. So There you go. Well, and I also tell people, uh, regardless of what provider you want to choose, um, like I'm a big fan of uh, Egghead as well. I watch their courses. That's how I got to see uh, Kent stuff. Uh, and I've watched Frontend Masters really enjoy their stuff too. So lots of good ones out there, but I would encourage anybody, uh, some of those are, you do have to pay for it, but ask your employer. I mean, I have, I, if your employer isn't willing to pay for it, uh, then yeah, you can consider doing it yourself. I still think it's a, a good investment if you can afford it, but a lot of employers will happily pay for it if they, if they see that you're willing to take the initiative, uh, to learn and get better because they'll get value out of it. Uh, and uh, so, so, but outside of that, I, I really do, uh, I follow on Medium. I keep track of, uh, the React, uh, tag on there. Uh, I also encourage you go out and subscribe to some React uh, newsletters. There are quite a few of them out there. If you basically just Google for React newsletter, um, Kent, I know, is doing a newsletter now that I'm I'm really enjoying. It has been consistently awesome. No pressure, Kent, but keep it up. So far, I, I'm reading every one of them. In fact, I've read each of yours twice, I think, because there's so much goodness in there. So uh, lots of good stuff there. Uh, but really, uh, there are three or four good ones. And there's also a really good uh, JavaScript uh, one, because keep in mind, as a React developer, you are definitely a first-class JavaScript developer. You are expected to have, uh, to me, a pretty, uh, pretty solid chops in JavaScript to be really successful there. So I would recommend subscribing to a, a JavaScript mailing list, too. I found those mailing lists super useful because it gives me uh, really a feel for where the community's headed. For instance, if I start seeing uh, a lot of uh, view links in my main JavaScript uh, one, or like I'm subscribed to O'Reilly's uh, front end link. When they start talking more about Vue, I go, oh, okay, we're getting more buzz here. I should maybe pay attention to the other options. Uh, so uh, something more broad than React so that you don't find yourself just totally in a little uh, echo chamber of React developers. It's nice to know what others are doing because you can certainly learn from the community. And then um, just to echo what Tara said, 
If you're somebody that uh, learns by reverse engineering, go look at React boilerplates, look at Create React app, look at some of the competitors out there. Uh, Andrew Farmer has a great site where he's cataloged all sorts of different React starter kits, boilerplates, whatever term you want to use. That was how I learned how to build uh, a really cool uh, front-end setup for React back before Create React app existed. I just looked at everybody else's and started saying, ooh, I like that, I like that, I like that. I'm going to put all these together, and now I've got my own. So now we've got standard number 42, but it, it was mine, and I really liked it. So those are some options. I just want to change. Wow, yeah, we have so much, so many resources available to us these days. Everything that you guys just mentioned, um, like I definitely agree with. And something that um, else I would say is, I know someone mentioned, I think Kent was talking about his workshops. Uh, I, I attended a React training advanced workshop about a year ago. I got a lot out of that. I know that's kind of expensive though for some people, but if you can afford it or maybe you can get your employer to go to an in-person hands-on workshop, those, they just do so much more sometimes because you're able to kind of answer or get the questions answered that you kind of aren't too sure how to ask. You can just have someone come over there and look over your shoulder. Um, and then there's meetups. If you can find like a, a good JavaScript meetup, just keep an eye on the talks there. Sometimes you'll see some free good talks there and also just meeting people. And, and, and if you're just kind of picking up ES6, uh, there's a chance that you kind of are looking to learn more stuff. So attending a meetup around whatever technology you're going to learn probably will do the, do the job. Yeah, I just want to chime in here with a couple of things that you can take to your boss for some of this. First of all, on the meetups, um, I mean, that's free. Just go on meetup.com. I've actually had a number of people as I've, because I did a bunch of interviews on finding a job, things like that. And I was telling people to go to meetups and they're like, I live in the middle of nowhere. There's no meetup here. I'm like, what's your zip code? I look it up. There's a meetup out in the middle of nowhere. They're like, oh, that's 10 minutes from me. So if you have any doubts, at least go look. Because um, a lot of folks think you have to be in a major city to have a meetup, and I, th I think people are surprised sometimes that you know their their smaller town has one. Um, to Corey's point, as far as these training uh, systems go, and you know to the larger point of the workshops, um, front end masters is thirty nine dollars a month if you buy one license for one person. They have team licenses too. Um, if you go look at Pluralsight, they're thirty dollars a month. So if you are a a software developer that's making $60,000 a year. I know a lot of people are making more than that. I'm just saying at $60,000 a year, um, that is basically like a half hour's worth of your time. And it, it, less than that, less than a half hour's worth of your time. In fact, if, if you work it out, I think you're making, I'm terrible at math, $60,000. Yeah. So anyway, um, $60,000 a year comes out to about $30 an hour. So it's an hour's worth of your time. So you go talk to your boss and say, hey, look, you know, you, you, are you willing to invest an extra $30 a month in me or $40 a month in me? You know, that's, that's a small percentage of what you're paying me. And if you get even a one or two or 10 or 15% bump in productivity, you know, it, it'll pay for itself. It's just a no brainer. Uh, the same thing with the conferences, right? If you go learn some, something or the workshops, learn something out there. Um, same deal. Um, I find conference talks is something that hasn't been brought up yet, but uh, conference talks are good for a quick overview. Usually what, what people are trying to do with the conference talk is they're either trying to show you in a half hour or so um, what they did and how they did it. And so it's a good intro to how to do a thing or they're trying to introduce you to a technology. And so if you want to get the broad strokes on anything, conference talks I find are really great. And then you can go and dig into some of the plural site courses or front end masters or whatever to get more depth. 
Um, and then, yeah, go, go build stuff. Yeah. I'm going to echo the build stuff. Um, so I don't, I don't care how you learn. Um, you will not learn react until you've built something with it. Um, and then I, I don't care. Also, I don't care how you learn. You will not solidify that understanding until you've taught somebody, um, what you've, uh, what you've been learning. It just like te- te- teaching people just challenges your understanding in a way that you can't get out of just building or just reading books. Um, so yeah, like definitely you, you learn the way that you learn, read books, watch videos or whatever, but then you've got to go out and build something and it's okay to fail. It's actually terrific to fail. Um, that's, that's the part of the learning process because when you fail, then you can go and teach people why they shouldn't do the thing that you failed at. Um, and, and you get a really deep understanding of like, oh, okay, I failed because I forgot to leave uh, to put a key on this array that I iterated over and now my input focus is getting put to the wrong place. And, and now you understand why the key is important and, and you can go and teach people about that. So yeah, like learn however you want to learn. Everybody's different that way, but you've got to build something and then go out and teach the things that you learn in that process. And for an outlet of where to teach, uh, because I know a lot of people are like, well, I can't speak at conferences. I'm not ready for conferences or anything like that. As somebody that runs two user groups in my community, I highly recommend that you reach out to any meetups around you or even ones that will have you just like stream in remotely to give a presentation to get yourself kind of ready for presenting. And, um, and also don't be afraid to submit to CFPs to speak. But if you want practice beforehand, I highly recommend reaching out to local user groups because they're always looking for speakers. <laughs> yeah, I just want to echo that and add, you know, you may not feel like you're ready for conferences, which is what Tara said. But honestly, most of these conference organizers are looking for some kind of novel, unique, interesting take on things. And most of the people who are submitting CFPs have a lot of experience and they're not going to speak to that beginner level. And so if you want to come in with an experience report, hey, this is how I learned it over the last year, or, you know, here's what we built having, you know, done React for two months, or, you know, here's a really simple concept around React, you really actually have a pretty good chance of being accepted. Um, one other thing that I, we're actually kind of talking about in the chat I wanted to bring up was um, when you're doing this, um, and Corey mentioned it earlier, like everything you do, try to make it in public. Um, like it, it is, has been so helpful to the community and to me personally that when I'm like giving a talk or, or, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm writing a, like a message, I'm answering a question to a coworker or something. Um, try to take any of that value that you're creating and make it public because it's valuable to the community and it's valuable to your career. Like you could be the smartest React developer in the world, but if the only people who know about that are your team that you're just always answering their questions and stuff, then like, yeah, you're, you're being really helpful, but you could be so much more helpful to the rest of the world. And you could also like get, uh, put yourself in a really good position um, career-wise. And so like you go to give a talk at a meetup, record your screen with quick time or whatever, uh, put that up on YouTube. You're going to, you know, answer somebody's question that like a teammate's question about this React thing, make it a blog post and, and give them a link to the blog post. Uh, there are lots of ways to, to take th- these teaching opportunities and, and make them public um, and make them like useful to everybody. So I have one more area that I want to ask about. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a tangent on this. We're talking about learning React. 
But um, a lot of people, they get into React either because they're interested in or they eventually wind up becoming interested in React Native. And, you know, Natter hosts the React Native podcast on devchat.tv. And I'm, I'm sure you all have done some with it, at least tried it, I'm guessing anyway. Um, so, you know, is, is it a different process to learn that? Are there good resources for that? I think the beautiful thing about React is that you learn React and then you can build across all these other platforms, not only React Native, but you can also do things like Tizen and Apple TV and all these other things. I just can't even keep up with exactly all the different targets at this point. But I think that 90% of of learning React Native is is understanding React and the other 10% or maybe 80, 20 even is kind of understanding like how to work with the device APIs and just reading the documentation. I think I think really though, if you learn React in general, you're um, open to so many different areas with your career. Not only again with mobile, but with virtual reality, with um, with Apple TV, with all these other platforms. So I don't really, you know, I, I would say if you want to get into React Native, if you want to get into all these other areas, really understand React really well, and then everything else is just going to come pretty easy. So I actually have very little experience with React Native. I, I pulled up, there's this site, snack.io, that lets you like do, it's kind of like Code Sandbox for React Native. It's like super incredible. I, I pulled up a Hello World once. Um, actually, this is crazy. I was on my uh, on the airplane talking with uh, this woman and, and she'd expressed a little bit of interest in, uh, in doing mobile development. And I was like, you know, this React thing, it's super cool. So I pulled up snack.io on my phone when we landed and I like wrote a little app on my phone and I and then I loaded it onto my phone. It was nuts. It was so cool. And it, it was like, hello, whatever her name was. It was so awesome. So there are resources to uh, to trying out uh, React Native. You don't have to have an expensive device or, or like a complicated uh, setup. But another thing that I'll say about React Native is that uh, um, lots of... Because the way that React is, lots of the libraries that are available for React actually can be used in React Native as well. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't say lots. Um, well, I will say lots, certainly not most, but um, yeah, many libraries in React. And, and that's one of the really nice things about um, React is that it can run across a lot of different platforms. Uh, for example, just today, um, Downshift, uh, one of the libraries that I wrote um, for PayPal to uh, like build autocomplete experiences, uh, Downshift was just published to the App Store um, um, that somebody like published an app that uses uh, Downshift. And uh, that was really exciting to me because like the, the core logic of Downshift, it doesn't have to do a whole lot of weird things to support these different platforms. And so, yeah, um, just like Natter said, um, learn React at its core. And, and actually, that's, that was the mantra that they came out with with React Native was it wasn't write once, run anywhere. That wasn't the whole thing. It was learn once, write anywhere. And um, I think that's one of the really valuable uh, things that React brings to the table. And I will say uh, the React Native docs are excellent. That's the way that I learned. And they do a really nice job of walking through and building something. And I was amazed how quickly I was sitting there hitting save and watching my phone reload and see the results. And then I handed it to my son and he was fascinated by it. It's, I mean, you want to get kids hooked on programming, have them instantly going, wow, this phone is doing what I asked it to. That's because kids really resonate with the phones, I think, even more so than getting a browser on a computer to do it. So uh, yeah, the React Native docs are excellent. And the, the fact that you get this rapid feedback loop experience, every time you hit save, it hot reloads on your phone. Uh, you just plug it right in with USB. 
Uh, I was I was working on an Android device, which I think is uh, also uh, telling too, because they started out on just on iOS. So it's nice to see that that, that story has matured. My understanding uh, is that you can also take uh, React Native components and run them on the web using a library called React Native Web Nader. Is, do you are you familiar with that? Yeah, basically, uh, React Native Web is is a library that will basically transpile the React Native components. So with web, you're working with um, elements like divs and spans and paragraph tags. With React Native, you're working with um, components that are called, like a view would be a div, a text element would be a span, and so on and so forth. So what it does, it basically will transpile the views and the text components back to HTML um, elements. So you can basically theoretically write your application once, it'll run on uh, React Native, and then it'll transpile to the web. It's a pretty good sales pitch. Of course, the other thing that nobody's mentioned on here is you could write uh, desktop apps as well. I mean, once you're working in Electron, you're working in HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. And I know a number of people that are choosing to use React for that. So it really has become quite a Swiss army knife uh, as far as components go. And I think that's part of the reason that's happened is because the React idea, just a reusable component, having a nice lean API around that is a simple concept. And the fact that React has extracted out uh, the DOM concerns there so that we can have different places where we, we build our components uh, that we, we don't need the DOM there uh, is, is also something that I think has really accelerated uh, React's popularity. Nice. I also just want to plug because I think Natter might be too uh, uh, modest to bring it up, but he's actually writing a book on React Native, React Native in Action. Um, and I get updates uh, from the Manning Early Access Program and uh yeah it it's terrific i've I've read the first few chapters anyway and, and kind of worked through some of that stuff thank you yeah the book is being actively developed we're updating it because the api has changed quite a few times and um we're staying on top of it but i think it should be completely um finished within the next couple of months one other resource though um react native express it's kind of like snack which um, i think kent mentioned a second ago where you can like play in the browser but it actually has a full tutorial. So you, you basically are walked through all the different things that you can do in React Native, and then you can actually see the example written code, and you can play with it and edit it, and it kind of changes in real time. It's uh, done by Devin Abbott. He's uh, really active in the React Native community. I think he works with Airbnb right now. And they, uh, Airbnb contributes a lot of stuff to open source. So um, they're really, really um, in-depth with React Native. Awesome. Well, uh, anything else that we should dive into here before we go to picks? Not to dive in, but just don't, I just want to say that React is so much fun. And if you're just like getting into it, it is hard. Like programming is hard. Don't let anybody tell you it's not hard. Programming is hard. But I'll tell you what, React is a blast. And I love it every day. I, I love coding in React, uh, building stuff in React. So you're in for a, a real treat if you're just getting started. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times people look at the utility of code and forget about the art and the fun of code. And yeah, don't miss out on that, folks. Um, you know, if, if you're not enjoying it, find something that you will enjoy because there are so many aspects of programming. You can definitely move to something else that will make you happy. All right, well, let's get to some picks. For you, the listeners of Ruby Rogues, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, 
costs less than $20 and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, uh, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Kent, do you want to start us off with picks? Oh, picks. Chuck, I forgot about picks. Um, so, but I can think of a couple things. Um, so, yeah, let's, I, I'm going to pick dogs. I love um, the... Okay, so as a kid, I... Oh, there's a dog. Tara has a dog. Um, yeah, so as a kid, I loved dogs, but like I was the youngest in a, a very large family. We were not getting a dog. Uh, they'd had a dog before I came around and then they just decided they didn't want one. So I was like super sad. So all my life, I've been like, I'm getting a dog when I grew up and then um, it's finally happening. So at the end of this month, I'm getting my first dog. I'm so excited. So I, I picked dogs. Um, it's a burn and a doodle because I don't like shedding and I guess um, poodles don't shed much. And so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, yeah, then I'll also uh, go ahead and pick um, uh, just, I'm going to pick a person, somebody that I see in the community who's doing really cool things. His name is uh, Nitin Tuslani. And he has built a lot of, he's, uh, I think he just recently graduated and uh, he's just built some of the coolest things like different uh, React renderers, like just for fun. So he's got a renderer for, um, I think it's called Redox, but it, that's docx, like Word documents. So a renderer for React to render to a uh, Word document. And uh, he, he created uh, Glamorous Primitives, which is this thing that um, takes the Glamorous library and, and you can style um, uh, stuff for the web, for native, um, for even um, uh, Sketch app, like the, the, the design tool. You can uh, use Glamorous to style stuff for that. He's just created all this amazing stuff. I don't even know why he does it. I think it's mostly just for fun. Uh, so yeah, Nitin Tulswani. Um, we can put a link to his Twitter on, on the show notes or something. All right, Tara, what are your picks? Um, so one, I would want to, I was telling people about this the other day and I realized not many people ex uh, knew that this conference existed. It's one that I'm actually speaking at and I spoke at the first one. It's called JazzCon and it actually happens in New Orleans. And last year was so much fun. Um, but it's like a, a emphasis around music, food and code. Um, I'm speaking on PWAs, but there's uh, all kinds of Angular, React, Vue, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and mobile. And like, I think there's more beyond that. It's from March 21st to March 23rd, uh, jazzcon.tech. But that's a really, it's a pretty fun one. And you get to hang out in New Orleans and uh, eat New Orleans food. So <laughs> that's really fun. And probably second, uh, since I already brought her out, we'll just go with Tosh Magosh. She's hashtag Tosh Magosh. If you want some really cute pictures of dogs coding, there's one for you. <laughs> That's it for me. We need more dog coders. That's for sure. All right, Natter, what are your picks? So my first pick is um, React-related. It's Vero Media. It allows you to create virtual reality applications and, and augmented reality uh, applications on iOS and Android. It's, um, it's free to use, and it's really cool. It's, it's V-I-R-O. 
media. So if you just Google that, you should find it. And then I have another pick. Um, I work with AWS and we just released a um, product a product called AWS AppSync. And it was on a whitelist before. So you had to like wait a week or two to get it. Now it's open to the public. It basically allows you to create serverless GraphQL applications. So if you wanted to get into GraphQL, you don't want to have to build out the backend yourself. This kind of allows you to build a scalable backend with GraphQL in just a couple of minutes. And then you can just wire it up to whatever front end that you're using. Um, I'm guessing probably React or React Native if you're listening to this, but it also works with Angular and Vue and pretty much anything uh, that you'd like to hook it up with. All right, Corey, what are your picks? All right, I got a few here. Uh, one pick is uh, a interesting feature of Node that I found out recently where you can install Node as a dependency uh, and once it's listed in your package.json, then it will run that particular version of Node. So no more worrying about your team running different versions of Node. Now it gets locked in um, and it will run the version that's listed in package.json. So I was super excited about this uh, and uh, really helps uh, with consistency there. And then also since the, the theme of this show has been uh, getting started in React, um, if you're trying to sell your boss on the idea of React, I uh, have a course on Pluralsight, React the Big Picture. That was the whole idea. It's a one-hour course, and it's really just why React, what are the trade-offs that you have to accept, and then what are those, some of the downsides, too, which I think would have been a really interesting conversation for the show. I wish I'd have brought that up. We can maybe put that on the shelf for another show, because that would be pretty interesting. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on what the downsides are. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think it's useful to have the, the full picture there um, to help make a sales pitch if you're making a shift over on technology. And then my, my final pick is a conference in uh, Kent's hometown, Salt Lake City. Uh, React Rally is coming up on August 16th and 17th. I actually have not been there, but uh, it looks really cool, and I'm hoping maybe to make it out this year. Uh, so uh, give it a look. And also, if you're listening to this and you already know React, consider submitting a talk. This is a great way to teach people, get out in public, show everyone what you know. So those are mine. So I got to say, that is my favorite conference in the world. React <laughs> is so good. Um, Matt Zabriskie and Jameson Dance do a spectacular job with that conference. So um, I, I actually shouldn't be saying this because I'm worried I might not get a ticket. So um, yeah, like that is such a good conference. Definitely uh, second um, Corey House's pick there. Yeah, Matt and Jameson are also just a lot of fun to hang around with. So um, I I haven't been to React Rally. I've gone up and met people who are attending it because uh, I also live near Salt Lake. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it sounds like a ton of fun. And I'm looking forward to actually getting a ticket this year if I can manage to do that. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple of picks. So um, Pluralsight's been mentioned a couple of times. And I've been going through the... They have a plural, They have a React... What is it? A track, I guess? Or a path? It's called or... a path. It's called a path. Right. And so um, I just started at the beginning. And uh, is it Sam Urbuna? I, I don't... I, I probably butchered his name. Anyway, um, he, he does the React course, the initial React course. And it's like three or four hours. It's not that long. But uh, he gives you a pretty good idea of what React is capable of. And I'm looking forward to just kind of digging through that and going, okay, now I understand React. You know, now maybe I'll get into React Router or uh, Redux or you know some of these other tools that you know add on to React in in one way or another, and just see what all of the discussion is. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to pick that. I'm also going to quickly shout out: we're doing React Dev Summit 
And that's going to be at the end of March. That's March 26th through 30th. Um, the way I've been doing these lately is that you can attend them live for free. And then um, if you want to buy a ticket, that gets you... I, I'm lining up some bonuses. Um, it also gets you the recordings, um, which I tend to hold on to for like six months and then release. Um, and, and that's just part of my cycle on that. So anyway, if you want access to all of that, reactdevsummit.com. Um, we'll have speakers listed pretty soon. Uh, Kent and Tara both said they wanted to speak. Um, working on lining up some of the other speakers. I invited Corey and Natter, but I haven't heard back yet. Um, and, you know, who knows? They may be busy. We'll see. But um, anyway, so uh, that that's exciting. And that's something that I've got going on. I've also got tentative dates on the JavaScript remote or Dev Summit. And that's uh, going to be mid-May, I think. So either the week of the 14th or the week of the 21st. So uh, you can check those out as well. And then, um, yeah, the last pick I have, and uh, this is just me being excited for a movie that's coming out, uh, Ready Player One. So the book is tremendous. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I listened to it on Audible. Um, so, you know, uh, that that's just another uh, quick shout out. Um, and anyway, so I really enjoyed that. And then we, uh, they're, they're making it into a movie. So... Anyway, there you go. I've, I've got a two-year-old in here, so I'm going to mute. Um, real quick, does everyone want to just uh, sound off as far as like social media, blogs, etc., so people can follow you and find you? Um, I'll go. I'm, uh, I'm TZ Mannix everywhere. TZ M-A-N-I-C-S on Twitter and GitHub. And always feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to uh, have any conversations. All right, I'll go. I am uh, HouseCore on Twitter. And you can find my blog on Medium, uh, medium slash at housecore, uh, or my other blog, which is bitnative.com. So I guess I'll go next. Um, I'm Dabit3 on Medium, on Twitter, and on GitHub. We also have a training or a blog called React Native Training on Medium. So I post there, but we also have a lot of guest posters. So we have people that kind of specialize in all different things you know, around React Native. So if you're interested in React Native, check out our blog. We kind of just go into to certain topics like a deep dive. And then we have a, a YouTube channel called React Native Training as well, where we basically kind of take some of the topics that we talk about in our blog and make videos about them. Cool. So um, I'm Kent C. Dodds everywhere. Uh, if you just go to my Twitter, my pinned tweet has links to a bunch of other things, uh, my newsletter and, and uh, um, my blog. Um, I, I post regularly once a week. Uh, so my newsletter goes out. And then two weeks later, it, it gets published to my um, my blog. So yeah, and um, I guess Corey said it was okay. So um, give that a look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I do a lot of stuff on open source as well. So you find me github.com slash dots. So is your newsletter just you or is that, uh, do you take uh, submissions from other people? Yeah, so that it, it's not like one of the curated newsletters that um, I definitely recommend people subscribe to. It's it's just like basically a blog post right in your inbox, and it's just me. Okay, cool. I'll have to sign up for that. Yeah, it's and a lot it's Corey of Corey approved. Yeah, I should add that to the bottom of the newsletter. Corey approved. No, to the top. Who am I kidding? With a little TM or something. There we go. Now <laughs> I can get on board. Yeah, of course, yeah. Was pretty yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to jump in here. So most of my stuff's at devchat.tv. Um, this is, that's where this show is going to be hosted. Um, you can also find us on iTunes and you know wherever you get podcasts. 
Um, we're pretty much everywhere. I'm working on getting onto like Amazon Alexa and things like that so that you can just uh, get that running. But, and I'm sure that my uh, Echo is going to chime in now and tell me that it doesn't understand what I'm telling it to do. Um, but the other thing is, uh, or the other place is uh, Twitter. That's at CMAXW. Um, I am toying with the idea of getting on the medium bandwagon. So if I do that, I'm probably CMAXW there as well. And I guess we'll uh, go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, thank you all for coming and recording the, the first episode of React Roundup. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.